his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Hey, um, you know who's back tomorrow? Fred! Hello, Fred Bottenheimer over there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he's, um, I, I'm shocked because I have not bothered him. I had one question for him today because we have the Reardon Roundtable coming up on Friday, and I wasn't sure of the status of that. But he hasn't really reached out. Maybe he's been communicating with Abby. I don't know. I saw a picture. He sent me a picture of him snowshoeing, and I sent him some cordial. I'm sure he was thrilled to get my quartal and wordle results on vacation. <laughs> Can I ask a dumb question? Uh-huh. Uh, what's quartal? Oh, the four times quartal. So you guess four words. Okay. In nine guesses. Sounds hard to it's me. It's so great. <laughs> I oh, guess. you'll love it. Okay, you will hate it. It's a patience strain. Yeah, I wouldn't like that at all. But he is back tomorrow. Abby's been doing great uh, work because she's had to double dip, doing yeah. the regular stuff that she has job. to do, and then booking everything up as well. Um, I'm going to invite our next guest to take part in a little experiment today with you, Sue. And just to be patient with me, Nick Schwarz, state senator. How are you, Nick, this afternoon? Hi. I am wonderful. It is a beautiful rainy day out here at the Capitol. We just wrapped up some business, uh, solidifying a parent's bill of rights, getting rid of some indoctrination. But uh, the the fight goes on as we're going to have more school choice coming up next week. Okay, hold on all of that, all those important things, because I just came across a video that I had not seen from last night. Did you watch the State of the Union, Nick? Were you all about it? Were you, you know, popping the popcorn there in Jeff City with a bunch of uh, folks? Did you see the speech or not? Well, I was, I was at the Mizzou game. We brought home a win. Nice. Um, oh, you so. barely, dude. Are you kidding me? That scared the crap out of me. Hey, me too. I was uh, I was very, very anxious, to say the least. But good game. I've seen a lot of the clips, uh, and I, I am chomping at the bit to watch the whole thing tonight. Okay, but I'm going I'm, to I'm, – I have my phone because I only saw this about 10 minutes ago, Nick, and just bear with me because I want Sue's reaction, and I'm going to have her um, kind of walk through this live on the air. So what I want you to do, and I'm going to tell you what don't, – don't press play yet. This is like a 10-second clip, okay? Right. And there's no audio. It's just – it's from the State of the Union address last night, and it's when um, Dr. Jill Biden – I had to – you have to say her full name. I think it's a federal law now. Nick, do you know is it federal or state law? If you don't say your Dr. Jill Biden, you, there's a fine or something like that, isn't there? No, Kim Gardner will come arrest you. Ah, yes. So this phone is heavy. What do you got in she, here? Well, my credit cards. Oh, yeah. there. Uh, but she is about to greet Doug Emhoff, who is the first gentleman. Right. Okay. Com- isn't that right? Is that right? Kamala yeah, Harris. Kamala Harris's husband? husband, Doug okay. Emhoff. Right. Can I hit play? Yeah. It? Press play. 
All right. Okay. You're going to see her greet Doug Emhoff. She goes down the stairs. Yep. And then she, she sees Doug. And, by and, she... and then what happens? Oh! Sure, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Have you seen this yet? That is one of the ones I saw. I, uh, I, oh, I didn't know if it was my God. I don't. Okay, so some people are like that. Listen, what happened was, yeah, no, she kissed him audience. on the lips, full on kiss. Doug like, Emhoff. It wasn't like a cheek side swipe thing. No, it was, it was full a on full on, on kissed him on the lips. That was uh, that was wow. Now I get it, right? Some people <laughs> really? are that way. Some families are, are yeah, kissers on the Island, lips. You're that way. <laughs> no, <laughs> wait a second. You're telling me that that's how people greet? They're like full on lips. But no, I'm no... not your friend's husband. No, that's right. just weird. <laughs> I, I mean, wow. That uh, maybe someone was supposed wait, to turn can I their see head that again. Yeah, that's what sure I'm thinking. I'm maybe wondering Doug if was somebody supposed was. To... Yeah, exactly. Whether they were supposed to turn for the side, you know, the cheek. But kiss. they acted like it was so normal. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. On, you know, if, if me wait, and Mark were going to come in and greet each other, it, it would be an awkward moment. Like, oh man, I'm sorry. I thought no. Uh, it, it was too too easy for them to just do it and then walk away. On a serious note, let me let me just address this and get your opinion soon. I don't know how you feel, Nick, but I I'm really uncomfortable with the whole hey kiss on the cheek if you if you yeah. greet. Now I don't mind like uh, a little hug or something like that, uh, but. I, I just get uncomfortable with it because I don't even know if I know what I'm supposed to do, yeah. right? Are you supposed to, yeah. like, actually smack your lips on the cheek? Or are you just supposed to—it's it, just weird to me. Here's the thing. These two have greeted each other in whatever way they're going to do it for two years. They should have figured it out, whether they're doing the cheek kiss or whether we're just fist-pumping. Uh, this is, should not have been a surprise to either of them, but holy Toledo! Where's Dr. Fauci to say, hey, wait a second— this but, is going to spread COVID. But, Sue, what would you say on my comment? Because it, it seems like it's almost standard. Sometimes you, you see people, and I, Nick, you, you probably experience this a lot more than me because you're in formal situations with lawmakers and stuff, but you greet uh, a professional woman, and if you know them well enough, there may be a little, you know, greeting or kiss on the cheek. Well, that, the whole process I don't like. She was coming up to him. So no, I'm not talking she... about that. I'm talking about in general. Not uh, Get off okay, of Joe okay. Biden. No, no, no. Uh, it's so I'm hard talking to get about, off of that. Okay. I'm talking about Nick and me, and let's say that we see you. Okay. I don't like I don't like doing it. I don't. Well, no, I would not expect either of you <laughs> to kiss me on the mouth. But, no, no, no. Or okay. the cheek. That's the point. That's I my would just point. give a little hug. A little hug yeah. is good, right? You can do Eskimo kisses, the little nose rub. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was almost, if you really kind of look at Doug Emhoff and Dr. Yeah. Jill, it almost looked like they were about to do that. That was, anyway, wow. I, I had to, that I, was, I had thank to address you for that. that because that was really crazy. All right. Huh. So, I did see a little coverage today. Let's talk about the uh, Parents' Bill of Rights. One of the little tweets I saw was that Republicans had watered down the Parents' Bill of Rights and stuff. So what happened with this? This is now at what point it's cleared the Senate back to the House? Is it going to the governor? What's going on with this? Well, there's got to be another vote to um, third read and pass it. Basically, after the amendment process has taken place and there was not necessarily a filibuster, but the bill was brought up last week. The Democrats were filibustering, made it clear that they intended to stand up until the end of eternity. Uh, so Senator Koenig, I know, worked his butt off uh, to, to get some sort of a deal. And there's a transparency portal. So now parents don't have to deal with all of the school districts saying, all right, it's going to take $1,000 in 15 weeks for us to send you curriculum or guest speaker list or, hey, information about the drag show that we're going to take your kids to on the field trip. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. The the Parents' Bill of Rights, quite or the, um, the prohibition on the indoctrination, quite frankly, could have been stronger. And I know there could be some discussions as it goes over to the House. 
uh, once we third read and pass it. But I think as of right now, it's a phenomenal step in the right direction. It's going to empower parents not only to uh, access curriculum, see where their money's going, see if there's information that the school is, is showing their kids that they shouldn't, quite frankly, when it comes to X-rated materials. Uh, but it's also going to prohibit certain things uh, that encompass Project 1619, uh, critical race theory, and, and the whole blame game of, okay, since you're white, you're an oppressor, um, th- that's not going to occur. And if it does, parents will finally have uh, the ability to be made whole and actually sue uh, the school district and be compensated for that. State Senator Nick Schroer is with us this, a- this afternoon. So is this just because I, I want to be clear and I'm kind of walking into something or walking you into something that we, we need to talk about anyway, but this is different than what they are calling, by they I mean the Post-Dispatch and the rest of the media, the Don't Say Gay Bill, right? Missouri's version mm-hmm. of the Don't Say Gay Bill from Florida, which doesn't say anything like that, but they love that tag, so they put it on what some of uh, Missouri lawmakers are going to do. But that's separate from the Parents' Bill of Rights? Yeah, that's entirely separate. That's a uh, the Senate Bill 134 is one that we heard the other day. And, you know, I was appalled when fake news media and I hate to say that because I wish that journalism integrity was a thing uh, for for mainstream media. But, yeah, I mean, when you push something that is a bill and a half, most of its definitions and it, it basically just says Senate Bill 134, don't talk sexuality and sexual content with my kid, my minor child without parental consent. That's it. That's it. Um, and has nothing to do with being gay, being straight, uh, being a tiger or unicorn. It just says parental rights are, are superior. You have to get the, the check off from the parents before uh, you're able to teach my minor kid this. But stuff Nick, but the- Nick, if you have OK, this this tongue in cheek, but Nick, <laughs> you have students out there that are afraid to tell their parents certain things and they don't want to confront um you know, that uncomfortable situation if they're LGBTQIA and beyond. So the school is really best suited to handle any of those issues, aren't they? Because these warriors in our classroom, isn't that what they're trained to do, Nick Shore? Well, quite frankly, that's that's the argument that we heard from the left. That's the argument that we heard from people who, uh, on the record, have said in House committee hearings and in Senate committee hearings that they were helping their two-year-old child transition. That was in a hearing just a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, it's been it's been unveiled since 2020 that there were, I think, over 200 school districts or schools uh, in the state of Missouri that had an MSBA policy, a school board association policy that uh, would allow the teachers and uh, school employees to keep conversations about sexuality and things of that nature private, regardless of whether the parents asked uh, and inquired about, OK, is my is my child saying they want to have a different name, a different quote unquote pronoun? These school districts were keeping that stuff private. So, no, they are not best suited. The one who is best suited is the parents, the one who's in the driver's seat of the upbringing, the education of their kid. That's who we need to empower, and that's the rights that we need to uh, respect here. So how do you even uh, confront the the nonsense that gets pushed out there in, in the media on this stuff? Because they, they, they love what happened in Florida. So every headline says, don't say gay. Every tweet, you know, I saw Channel 4 today. They all jump on board with this stuff. Well, I think you just got to fight back with the facts. You know, the facts are in our favor. And I know in the courtrooms they've said, you know, when you've got the facts, pound the facts. When you've got the law, pound the law. When you've got neither, pound the table. And that's exactly what the Democrats and their their extremist supporters have done. They come 
to the Capitol saying that people will die because of this. There's going to be kids committing suicide. Well, wait a second here. If, if we have a mental health crisis, this is clear-cut evidence that we have a mental health issue. These kids need to be uh, accessing mental health practitioners who are the ones that specialize in this stuff, not the individuals that are trying to push their woke agenda on these minor kids that are very impressionable. By the way, on the education topic, I I talked about this a little bit earlier, and this is my neck of the woods here with Rockwood, not necessarily your neck of the woods, but I think you'll find this interesting. So there's a newsletter that went out from my school district, Rockwood. It's the Repack Monthly newsletter relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And there was somebody by the name of Dr. Letitia Smith who wrote, well, it, it wasn't something she wrote. It was a Q&A. So they said, tell us about your background, what drew you to live in the Rockwood School District, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then one of the questions was, given the recent events in our community, how can we best support our black students moving forward? She goes on and she says, there should be a revisit of all board policies that deal with all aspects of fairness, equity, discrimination, harassment, intimidation, and so forth. Schools should have a required specific addendum to the overall policy that is germane to their specific school community clientele. And then she says that everybody, even if you're contracted, needs to go through annual anti-biased, anti-racist training on an ongoing basis. And if somebody, this is my favorite part, if somebody says the wrong thing, Nick, a a, a parent or anyone else, they should be fined by the Rockwood School District. And the money from those fines would fund ongoing anti-racism bias and sensitivity training. That's what some of these people are talking about. I think she's a PhD, by the way, this person that I'm referring to. And that's their ideas. Now, this is, as as you know, this is nothing new. This is what that side wants in education. That's what they're pushing. They're not pushing actual education. They're pushing all the DEI stuff as much as they can. Well, that's exactly the point. You know, when we start focusing more on this garbage and all the quote unquote gender ideology and not a single person that comes down to the Capitol to testify is consistent with the other person when you ask them how many genders are there. When we're focusing on the things that honestly don't matter, why are, you, why are kids going to school? Because we need to educate them. We need to prepare them to become an adult, to take on the world and achieve the American dream and pass on generational things that, you know, the greatest generation, my grandparents, your grandparents had. And, you know, for, for parents like us that have young kids that are still in school, especially, you know, both of us that have these young girls that – Uh, In this woke world that we live in, it scares the crap out of me. I want them to be prepared and to know history, to know how to balance a checkbook, to know how to read our founding documents. And the more time that we focus on gender ideology and stopping uh, radical employees from from trying to be impressionable upon the kids and, and tell them that, okay, you're born a woman, but now you can become a boy. Well, she's only four years old, so what in the hell are we doing? No, we need to start concentrating on preparing these kids to take on the world Look at what Russia is doing. Look at what uh, North Korea, what China, what are they doing in their education systems? They're not concentrating on this garbage. They're going to school year-round to prepare these kids to take on the world and be the top of the top when it comes to uh, the wisdom and intelligence. All right, so on that front, before I let you go, then what part of any of these proposals deals with some of the gender stuff and girls' sports, et cetera? Where, where does that kind of get you know, rolled into legislation right now? So that bill actually came out of the Education Committee, I believe it was a week or two ago. Um, One of the committees that I sit on, it it came out of there, and it should be on the floor. If not tomorrow, I'm looking next week. But with it being so controversial, uh, I don't know if the Democrats are going to plan an attack of saying that they're going to kill it, they're going to filibuster. Again, another common-sense approach that we're wasting time on arguing should men, biological men, play in women's sports. Uh, The answer is no, they shouldn't. 
Yeah, but we've seen, I'm sure you've seen, I can't remember which state house it was, Oklahoma, I think. You, you yeah. had a bunch of activists, Oklahoma. right? They went down there, basically took over the Capitol, shouting down the lawmakers. Insurrection. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a little <laughs> bit of an insurrection. They have the right to do it, obviously. Uh, I don't know how much you've seen of that in Jeff City, but if this thing gets close to you know being final, there's going to be a lot of opposition, which is strange to me because I don't understand how you can even make any kind of case that that's in any way, shape, or form fair. And I don't know if you saw, I played yesterday some of the comments from Bethany Hamilton, who is the you know outstanding surfer, pro surfer, who mm-hmm. had her arm removed by a shark, and she survives that, but now she's not going to compete because the surfing organization is going to allow biological males in her sport. And good for her for standing up for that, or against it. Well, even R- Riley Gaines, who had a storm yeah. against the biological male, she is coming forward. You're not seeing it on MSNBC, CNN, but if you go to Rumble or YouTube, wherever it is, and just type in Riley Gaines, you can hear so many stories from so many biological women that are saying this is wrong. This is not equal rights anymore. It's not women's rights. It's about kowtowing to the very vocal minority. Excellent. Nick Shore, thanks for coming on here this afternoon. I really appreciate it. We will Absolutely. talk soon. All right, take week. care. That's State Senator Nick Shore with us this afternoon. We're going to talk a little bit about Hollywood and some of the crazy stuff that happens there. Christian Toto from HollywoodandToto.com. I have an audio cut of the day, actually a really good one with Joe Rogan today making some great points. That's coming up as well right after 545. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I have a great audio cut of the day this afternoon. Actually, a bunch of other audio I wanted to get to from Capitol Hill that will squeeze in before the end of the hour. But first, ladies and gentlemen, our friend Christian Toto, the editor of HollywoodandToto.com and the podcast Right on Hollywood. Christian, welcome back. How are you this afternoon? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. I wanted to um, I want to talk about the, the documentary that you highlighted about Anthony Fauci called The Real Anthony Fauci and get your thoughts on that. But I, I did a segment last night, and we've actually talked about it quite a bit and would love your thoughts on the AMC situation. But before we do that, did you watch, and I know that this is something you've written about because we've talked about how SNL is not funny. Did you by any chance catch the uh, the movie awards bit that they did with the game show with Pedro Pascal on Saturday Night Live? I did, where they kind of made it fun of how obscure movies are yes. today and how we can't. 
It was quite good. I laughed out loud. I was shocked by that. Yeah, so here, let me just, and I played this last night, but just for people. We got to start with movies. We got to. This question is from the 1950s. In All About Eve, she famously said, fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, oh, oh. Robert, you buzzed in first. The one and only Betty Davis. Yeah, so that was an easy one. Then they get to the uh, 2020s. Now let's go over to the 2020s. This breakout hit is the current number one show on Netflix. It's Ginny and... And nobody knows it, obviously. It's Ginny and Juice. I didn't know it either. But that was uh, a funny bit that made a pretty good point about the state of Hollywood, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it, you know, some of the humor kind of cuts to the bone, and that certainly did, and it was funny. And it was funny because we recognize what's going on in the culture and how the landscape is changing and evolving and growing, and it's more niche-driven than ever before, and we don't have those sort of the common things that unite us. And that certainly applies to movies and TV shows these days. It's just been a while where you, know, you can toss out a lot of these awards, supposedly awards-worthy films, and, and people, and they, they make fun of it in the bit. Nobody's seen it, right? They've made no money, but the critics love it, we're, we're told, right? Some of the people that we've hung out with in the past, they love it. Yeah, I mean, that's the new normal. And I can listen, I think there's always tension between what the critics like, what the public likes at large. Uh, but you, you know, it's, it works best when there's a really big overlap there. And I think we saw it with Top Gun Maverick last year. I think the Rotten Tomatoes was like 96, 97 for critics and even higher for the general public. And I, I kind of long for that, where, where we have more agreement, where there's more more stories that speak to all of us, not just sort of the more critical minds. Absolutely. All right, let, let's talk about this documentary that I'm um, even surprised uh, was made. It's called The Real Anthony Fauci. And you uh, you know this guy, Jeff Hayes, or at least you interviewed him, the producer who did this documentary. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the view that you hear on the radio, on TV, uh, and media outlets. It's very, very critical of Dr. Fauci. And I, I think it's important for a couple of reasons. One, I think we should have lots of different voices, lots of different opinions. There was a, a National Geographic, Geographic documentary about Fauci a year or two ago, and it was, it was a hagiography. Hey it was a love letter. And, you know, that's not the full story. So um, I interviewed the, the producer behind this particular film, talked about some of the struggles in making it and why he wanted to make it. But, I, you know, I think I find it frustrating in the culture today that I could speak to a lot of my my wife's friends and they will say, Dr. Fauci is is saint-like, and he's wonderful, and he's flawless, and that's not the that's not the whole story. And you could say that you could argue back and forth, but I really want people to understand, get more information. I think documentaries can often do that. That's what this one does. In, in this particular case, though, we we discovered this is what Jeff Hayes tells you that he had a lot of people that were willing. Um, and he even uses the word cheerfully to be part of the production. He says, "I've never had this experience." But then the problems occurred once they completed the film, right? Yeah, listen, we've seen this across the board with big tech, where if you don't have a certain message or a certain narrative, that there's good, there are going to be consequences. You know, Facebook's, Instagram, social media outlets, they may punish you, they may demonetize you, they may uh, limit your reach. And, you know, we're living in a time where you need all of those platforms on your side to get the message out. You know, this is not a, a massive major motion picture studio promoting this movie. It's much smaller, so you kind of have to use those guerrilla tactics to get it out there and it's not always that simple so they put it out on vimeo and people could watch it but then vimeo says you you have um vaccine misinformation and they said you got to remove it yeah you know this is a real interesting pattern we're seeing across the culture when it comes to big tech they will often do that they will say that this is against our community standards this is wrong this is whatever 
And often, as, as is with the case here, they don't say exactly what you did wrong. You know, this filmmaker said, listen, if you said to me, this movie says X, and we know for a fact that X is wrong, then it's something we can address. But without that specific back and forth, without that transparency, you're left basically scratching your head. And I think that happens a lot with people on, on you know, who find their jokes censored online as well. It's like, what, what, what are we, why are we doing that? Why is it censored? What was wrong? And why can't we poke a little fun at people in power? So it's, it's, a, it's part of a larger trend that is, I find upsetting. I hope more people do. So where can you see that, that documentary, The Real Anthony Fauci? You know, I don't know. I, I wrote the article a couple of weeks ago. I don't know the current status of it. I, it may still be around available for free. I'm pretty sure you can get it via DVD. I just do a little Google. I, I just haven't checked yeah. on no, it. No, no, that's understandable. Because I think there was a shifting uh, landscape for it, but it was free for a while, so it may be free still right now. Okay, weigh in on the AMC stuff just out of curiosity. I, I think it's um, going to backfire on them um, personally, but you know they've probably tested this out, and they're desperate because they lost so much money a couple of years ago, but this dynamic pricing for movie theaters... Yeah, it's it's on the surface, it's a terrible idea. I mean, anytime you can say movie theater prices are very expensive, we're going to make them a little more expensive. That's just a bad message, plain and simple. We can certainly look at other aspects of our lives where, you know, if you want to fly, get on a plane, you got to pay more for a better seat. But there was something universal about the movie going experience, something populist where you just get there early, you get the seat, you get the seat you want. And it seemed like very simple, very basic. You kind of know the details. And so to kind of change that up and make it in a way that punishes people, it just doesn't fit, doesn't feel right. And the fact that, you know, movie theaters are struggling right now is another bad timing situation. Why would you do this now when you're trying to get, you know, fannies in the seats more than ever? Because that's become a problem. So it sounds bad. Where did your vote go for the best film for critics choice and who wins the Oscar in your opinion? I mean, the best movie for me was Top Gun Maverick last year. Um, best actor, I, I you know, I, I kind of wavered between Brendan Fraser and Colin Farrell. Um, so, but uh, on the best fr- picture front, you felt Top Gun. But obviously, you know, the artsy film always has a bit of a, an advantage. And with the Academy, it's probably going to be everything, everywhere, all at once. Is that your anticipation? Yeah, I think that's going to win this year. And it's funny, I, I'm not a huge fan of that film. I kind of admire its creativity and its energy, but. Didn't love it as much as a lot of my peers, but again, that's you know, isn't it was actually a fairly popular indie film, made a decent amount of money, nowhere near blockbuster level. So, on that level, I, I find it refreshing. But uh, you know, I think this was the year that Top Gun Maverick brought people back to theaters in such an amazing way, and it kind of did everything it needed to do: nostalgic, action-packed, adventurous, uh, connected with the first film, reminded us why IMAX films are so wonderful to behold in the theater. So it would seem like poetic justice if it won. I don't think it's going to win, though. And we have an early Oscar favorite for next year in 80 for Brady, don't we? <laughs> you know, I have to say, as a critic, I feel like taking a puppy when I critique that movie. Because it's just it's so sweet. It's so slight. It's so harmless. It's fine. It's not a great film by any stretch of the imagination. Nor will Tom Brady be dusting off his Oscar speech. But, I, I, you know... It, it just kind of was sweet for me. I, I feel I feel kind of a little grumpy kind of saying. I understand. I get it. A Christian Toto from HollywoodandToto.com. Always great to have you on. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, I mentioned audio cut of the day coming up, but I also have uh, all kinds of stuff that I wanted to, to get to here before the end of the show that I've not been able to cram in. 
there was a really interesting, and this this gets detailed, um, do my best here, very interesting hearing on Capitol Hill today, contentious House Oversight Committee hearing on all this stuff with uh, with Twitter that was exposed during you know the Twitter files. And some of the Hunter Biden laptop stuff came into play here as well. So we had Yoel Roth, who is the former head of trust and safety. I can't even say that without laughing. And James Baker and some of the other officials from Twitter were up there trying to answer some of these questions. And they were hammered on this today. Of course, whenever these hearings take place, the party in power essentially um, criticizes the people that are coming before them and the power the power party that just lost power like the Democrats. They don't care about any of this stuff. And that's essentially what they did today. But this was one of my favorite spots. And if I didn't have a great Joe Rogan clip this afternoon, it could have been audio cut of the day. AOC went nuts, as she often does on this particular topic on um, Capitol Hill on this House government oversight committee hearing are you aware from that from august 11th to august 16th that account posted false information about boston children's hospital claiming that they were providing hysterectomies to children okay now this is about libs of tiktok libs of tiktok is a brilliant site out there which highlights and we use this often for audio cut of the day the lunacy of the people on the left they find clips they're real clips and then they highlight them on libs of tiktok so she's claiming let me back this up a little bit and i want you to hear this again she's claiming they did something nefarious are you aware from that from august 11th to august 16th that account posted false information about boston children's hospital claiming that they were providing hysterectomies to children I mean, that sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? You spread something like that, and Yoel Roth is the guy you're going to hear here. Yes, I am aware of that and other claims from the account. And are you aware that this lie was then circulated by other prominent far-right influencers? Yes. And are you aware that all these claims, uh, which I have reiterated, were false, culminated in a real-life harassment and ultimately a bomb threat to the Boston Children's Hospital? Yes, I am aware. And this account is still on that platform today, isn't it? Regrettably, yes, it is. Regrettably, yes, it is. Despite inspiring a bomb threat due to the right-wing incitement of violence against trans Americans in this country. You knew it had to be about trans LGBTQIA. That was coming. Because they cannot let go of this obsession with fixating violence and inciting violence against trans and LGBT people, in addition to immigrants, in addition to women of color, this is a party that cannot pick on anyone their own size. And they are trying to co-opt an entire social media platform and use the power of this committee and of Congress in order to pursue a political agenda. You know what? I'm going to take a rare, bold stand here and agree with my good friend AOC and say it is Horrifying that libs of TikTok went online and they they shared a video of something that happened at the Boston Children's Hospital and said that kids, little children, were getting hysterectomies in the name of gender surgery. I would like to agree with my friend AOC. The only problem with that is it really happened. And here it is. Gender-affirming hysterectomy is very similar to most hysterectomies that occur. A hysterectomy itself is the removal of the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, and the fallopian tubes, which are attached to the sides of the uterus. Some gender-affirming hysterectomies will also include the removal of the ovaries, but that's technically a separate procedure called a bilateral oophorectomy. 
and not every gender-affirming hysterectomy includes that, and people who are getting gender-affirming hysterectomies do not have to have their ovaries removed. Look, that is from the Boston Children's Hospital's website. Okay, so I don't know. I didn't make that up. That's not an actor playing that person. It really happened. It is really happening. And she goes on during this hearing. That will not be challenged. You won't see the New York Times, the LA Times, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. They'll highlight that clip. They'll play it all over the place on CNN, and they'll never play the clip of what really happened and is happening at Boston Children's Hospital, which is outrageous. Now, this got really interesting today, and I'll tell you who is great is Nancy Mace. Let's see if I got the Nancy Mace stuff because I thought that she was really, really good on this. But they um, they grilled a lot of folks here on a lot of different topics. There's Jim Jordan. You got the government saying your terms of service, which don't have to comply with the First Amendment, but the government saying we don't think these accounts comply with your terms of service. Please take them down. You see a problem there, Mr. Mr. Roth? Mr. Chairman, I'm seeing a flashing red light. I'm happy to answer the question. Um, do I think that that's a valuable use of the FBI's time? No, but I don't see in a request for review a problem under the First Amendment, no. I sure do. I, I, I thank the gentleman. I get back. Yeah, I sure do as well. Then there's Congresswoman Mace who talked about some of the vaccine stuff, and this was really interesting. I have effects from the vaccine. It wasn't the first shot. But it was the second shot that I now developed asthma that has never gone away since I had the second shot. Um, I have tremors in my left hand, and I have the occasional heart pain that no doctor can explain, and I've had a battery of tests. I find it extremely alarming Twitter's unfettered censorship spread into medical fields and affected millions of Americans by suppressing expert opinions from doctors and censoring those who disagree with the CDC. I have great regrets about getting the shot because of the health issues that I now have that I don't think are ever going to go away. And I know that I'm not the only American who has those kinds of concerns. Another example of what Twitter has done to censor folks is uh, from Dr. Martin Koldorf, a Harvard-educated epidemiologist who once tweeted... COVID vaccines are important for high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with prior natural infection do not need it. So that that seems way out there on the fringe, right? A horrible thing for that Harvard-educated doctor to say. Nor children. The Twitter files reveal this tweet was deemed false information because it ran contrary to the CDC. So my first question this morning of Ms. Gaddy, may I ask of you, where did you go to medical school? I did not go to medical school. I'm sorry? I did not go to medical school. That's what I thought. Why do you think you or anyone else at Twitter had the medical expertise to censor a doctor's expert opinion? Our policies regarding COVID were designed to protect individuals. We were seeing you guys censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places in the world, and you silenced those voices. It's outrageous, and it was highlighted on Capitol Hill, and it will be highlighted by Joe Rogan in my audio cut of the day because one of the questions I think people should really be asking themselves, and Joe Rogan's asking, hey, why the hell will the rest of the mainstream media not report on what happened and what was reported by Mike Schallenberger, Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss in the Twitter files? All right, it's getting late in the day, and I think all I have time to do, which is a good thing, is this. Stand by. Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. All right, I got a couple of things here this afternoon for audio cut of the day. Let's start with Joe Biden and not really the speech last night. The speech last night we went over earlier in the show, and he barely even mentioned China, and he referred to them as a competitor. 
But let's go back to the balloon situation, which was not mentioned last night, which some of us think. I mean, I, I really, and I said this on Monday, I don't care what, what kind of uh, aisle you sit on politically, but you'd have to at least admit the whole thing was kind of weird. And, you know, try just for a moment to strip the politics out of it. Do you think it's a good idea that we allowed a uh, big giant balloon to cross the entire country without doing anything about it. Oh, I know the president said, shoot it down. And then they waited. But I love the fact that the, uh, the left and I'm look, I'm not so naive as to think that the talking points don't exist on the right as well. But honest to God, somebody needs to tell me what happens in situations like this. Do they get like an email blast where they're all told to say exactly the same thing? So check it out here. Republicans argued that the balloon, the size of three school buses, should have been taken out over the Pacific. If you're Biden, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Let's say he had shot this down somewhere over the country. All this metal and glass comes clanging to earth and could have hurt somebody. And it lands on something, hurts somebody. Three buses worth of metal will be falling down, potentially on hospitals, potentially on kindergartens. That could hit a kindergarten, a hospital. So there you go. It's like kindergarten, hospital. I'm going to let this roll a little bit because I want you to hear the entire thing because it really is uh, epic. And it's all the same thing. It's like, well, you know, we can't shoot it down because did they get a blast, an email blast, a text blast? said, here's what we need to tell people that are questioning whether or not we should have shot this down. It could have hit a school. It could have hit a church. It could have done something else really, really bad outside of the fact that the balloon in and of itself could have done that as well, but we don't we don't care about that. Ventilating about this. Is there a specific <clears throat> a specific part of the country where they think or say specifically this is where it should have been shot down? Jake Tapper, you're, stop embarrassing yourself, Jake Tapper. I mean, what are they talking about? We should have shot down this balloon over the Aleutians. Well, they're, they're, they simply don't know, Jake. Yeah, by the way, that that's, you know, the Media Research Center put this together. They intercut Tom Cotton, and they're saying, yeah, there, there was an option to do that, you bozos. Administration did what politicians usually say they want administrations to do, uh, follow the advice of of the Pentagon. They essentially advised him we need to do this at a safe moment when it is essentially over a body of water. And ultimately, I think it was handled by the administration quite well. You heard the president say it. It was always the plan to wait for that Chinese spy balloon until to shoot it down until it was safe to shoot it down. Yeah. All right. There you go. The left wing media in lockstep. Well, wait, because the other side, you have Fox News and you're a conservative talk show host. You have a microphone too. think about Oh, that was MSNBC, right? CBS, ABC, the New York Times gets in on that. They all pair at the same talking points. So, yeah, we got Fox News. And it is the most watched, but it's it's not watched by, you know, the millions and millions of people that consume the rest of the legacy media. So that point needs to be made. Audio cut of the day number two, Joe Rogan. This is awesome. From his uh, podcast, talking about the Twitter files. You know, we, we saw, and I referred to this a little earlier, they had some great hearings on Capitol Hill today involving the Twitter files. Joe Rogan said this about the Twitter files. One of the best examples of that is the Twitter files. You see no coverage of this on CNN. No coverage of this astounding collusion between intelligence agencies and a social media network to suppress accurate information that would harm the political party that's in power, which is f***ing wild. I'd say it's more than just wild. And, you know, we can gauge this tonight as well because these hearings took place earlier. We'll see if there's any mainstream coverage of this tomorrow. Probably not. It's wild that the news isn't covering this because, like, Arguably, that's as big a scandal as Watergate. It's as big a scandal as any other times in the past where we've found that there's been some really shady 
going on that would change the way people would see a narrative. Remember when you had uh, Mark Zuckerberg on? Yes. And, and Zuckerberg was like, yes. like, yeah, the FBI reached out to us and they said, you know, hey, there's going to be a disinformation dump from Russia coming. And so we were ready when the Hunter Biden thing dropped. Yeah. And it's like, OK, well, this is a perfect example of they were just wrong. So I don't know who this guy is. This is the guy that was on the podcast with uh, with Rogan, but he makes a great point here. They yes. said, oh, this isn't Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, it, it's no big deal. Uh, this is just Russian disinformation. Yeah. And then it turns out. It was his laptop. And yeah. so and Mark Zuckerberg was almost doing a victory lap by saying, hey, I only suppressed it in the algorithm as opposed to banning it. He was like, oh, I didn't ban it. So therefore, I'm, you know, good on me. Yeah. So let's go back to August because Rogan had Zuckerberg on. He, he talked to him about this and they were trying to get into some of the differences between the way that Twitter handled these types of things and the way that Facebook did. And he basically talked about how they they, they essentially turned down the amplification. So not as many people could see the story as ordinarily would. A lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issue. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much. But right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a very professional law enforcement, they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. I want to take it seriously if it comes from one side of the political aisle. And by the way, I don't think that anyone, just looking back at that comment about the FBI, can have any faith and confidence, unfortunately, in federal law enforcement. That's so sad to say. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Your audio cuts of the day, if you will, on this Wednesday edition of the Mark Reardon Show. We'll talk tomorrow. Fred is back. We will celebrate that. Have a great night. Get more at 971talk.com. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.